0: welcome to mary trump's nerd avengers we are dahlia and jen uh not mary but i have a question how many nerds does it take uh okay never mind um so hey mary will be back with us on thursday right here live for the next um and maybe apparently last January 6th commission hearing, and that was going to begin with us for pregame at 1245. So hope to see you then. And I know that might be a bit disappointing, kind of like when you see like a substitute uh, for Rachel Maddow, but I promise you, uh, Mary will be back and Dolly and I will be just fine, I think, without her. Um, Remember, if you show up at 1245, you can hear that pregame, and then we're gonna be super quiet. Um, We will be talking over the hearing itself.
1: And we are here today, uh, Missing Mary, but talking about all the stuff that is going on. Uh, so we're going to give you a quick list of what we're going to talk about. And if there's anything that we've missed in our little outline, we do read the private chat. Um, so type into the chat what you're thinking about, and we'll try to add it to the list. But just in the very, very like compressed time we have, we're going to try to talk about Uh, make attorneys get attorneys and what the heck is going on at Mar-a-Lago. We're going to talk a little bit about Herschel Walker, a little bit bit about the Supreme Court, Nevada Secretary of State and the promise to make sure that every Secretary of State steals the next election and whatever else uh, Dean and Jennifer and the folks here want to discuss. And I think we only have Dean for 15 minutes. So maybe, uh, Jen, do you want to start with Make Attorneys, Get Attorneys and walk us through the good times when the wheels come off for Donald Trump's counsel?
0: Good, Dahlia. I can't decide if we're like doing a good job or if we're like those co-hosts on Saturday Night Live of NPR, you know, the show. Course,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Oh, nice. I worked, at Saturday, I worked at SNL when that was on, when that was a that big is, stitch with that. Uh,
0: so, Dean, Anna, Gass- that's great. It's Anna and Molly Shannon. Anna got Gass- yes, was. Shannon. Yeah. Did it? Okay, okay, but and- be- before I do that, Dalia, I want to say, hey, Jen Rubin. So glad to have you as a special guest in from the Washington Post, live from DC. And Dean, Dean, I know we only have you for a little bit, but I want to have this opportunity to say, you're going to be live on stage in New York. Or something. Wait, and there's Brian. I'm going to introduce it's him in a second. No one's ever heard from Brian before. Hey, Brian, Don and I are hosting the show. You may yeah. Wanna... We're
1: we're in charge, Brian. We're in charge, Come Brian. Okay,
0: hey, just letting you know. Um, okay. And I'll tell you the can chat you, plan is okay. Cool. Um. So anyhow, can you mute Dean,
2: Brian? I just recommend that you mute Brian now. Is that possible? Can you mute him so you could let you guys host?
0: Okay, Dean. Um. So no, but. Tell us about your show, and then tell us uh, uh, real quick, and then I will jump in and tell you about Make Attorneys, Get Attorneys.
2: Sure. Well, the, the show, it's a live stand-up show starting tonight in New York, running to November 5th. It's at an off-Broadway theater. It's produced by Laughing Liberally. It's called Indictment, Excitement. I'm one of the comedians in It's like six, seven shows a week. I'm in about half of them. John Fuglesang's in it. Rhonda Handsome, Ophira Eisenberg, a really good mix of comedians. So if you're in New York or you're going to visit New York between now and November 5th, check out my uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash Dean of Radio, or email me and I'll send you information. And if I know you, I can probably get you a free ticket. So email me, Dean at deanofradio.com. It's going to be a fun show. A lot of people have a lot of, a lot of laughs at the expense of Mary's Uncle and the Republican Party.
0: Hey, Adam. Don't you? I'm in charge, so don't get any ideas.
3: That's what I heard.
0: <laughs> okay, so. I'm going to tell you about make attorneys, get attorneys. I really want one of those hats. I just saw that Andrew Weissman's dog has one of those hats. And I want to let you know that I did sit behind Andrew Weissman at the hearing that I'm about to talk about. Remember the one and only special master hearing that was up in the Eastern District of New York. So the latest news, guys, because um, it's Tuesday, but it feels like a Monday. Um, The latest news kind of over the long weekend is this. Um, Here's the meta. Uh, Merrick Garland is going to indict Trump. Yeah. But the question is, who else? Um, And I think what we're seeing now is that one of Donald Trump's lawyers is in a lot of trouble, and that is Evan Corcoran.
4: Just one?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, that one isn't particularly in a lot of trouble, Brian. Um, And here's why. Um, the, uh, The reason why, Dolly, did you just put something I have to look at right now in the chat or no?
1: I put that Atlantic piece about how Merrick Garland is is the turtle, but he's coming. So um, it, you don't have this to look is, at it right uh, now.
0: Right. It's not Jonathan Ford. It's Franklin Ford, the brother. Um, so great piece in the Atlantic today by him. And I completely agree. Look, I think you know Garland has more than enough um, information, more than enough facts um, to be able to prove out a criminal indictment under three different areas of law. And that includes an obstruction charge under 18 USC 1519. That um, also includes um, the sedition charge. Um, and it also includes, at the very least, um, interfering with a grand jury indictment. And I could go on and on. Um, there are more. But I, so the real question I have, though, is are we going to get even more solid information? By Because the more information, the better, by flipping someone like Evan Corcoran. And and let me explain. Um, As you all remember, because I know you all all follow this, um, Donald Trump's um, home and resort in Mar-a-Lago was searched by the feds in August. And this search yielded tons and tons of boxes of documents and many, many classified documents that are national security secrets, including sources and methods about Um, about our spies abroad and more. And um, that was the last, but there'll be more, but the last in a series of attempts by uh, by NARA, the National Archives, as well as a grand jury um, created by the Department of Justice to, or convened by them, To try to get these documents um, that he was holding in violation of the law. That was a last in a series, and why I say that and why I say his lawyer Evan Corcoran is in trouble is that these efforts to try to get the documents that belonged to the federal government, before folks even knew there were classified ones in there, just to get boxes that belonged to the federal government back, this began before Donald Trump left office and continued when he had left office all the way through 2020. And it wasn't until early 2021 that after a number of negotiations, boxes were sent to the National Archives, whereupon, around February, they open these boxes when they got them, and they see, holy shit, there's classified documents in there. And that is when, shortly after that, they reach out to DOJ. That's when the Washington Post finds out. That's when, at that point, a grand jury is convened. That's early 2021. And it's not until June of 2021 that this is the key thing one of Donald Trump's lawyers Evan Corcoran writes out but doesn't sign a statement to the to the Department of Justice saying a search has been done of the premises and all we found are these two stinking red welds full of classified documents he wrote it out this is one of Donald Trump's lawyers but he didn't sign it he tried to get this fall guy um, he tried to get this fall guy to actually signed this, Christina Bob, and she was smart enough. Well, she was kind of dumb and smart. She agreed to hold herself out to be um, this, the, the custodian of records, which has a meaning under law. Um, but she was smart enough to have this disclaimer in the statement that says um, that I, you know, based on what I've been told or based on information communicated to me, There's been been a search, very passive voice. These are the only documents they they found, and she signs it. So even though she was smart enough to do this, the Department of Justice has eyes, and they also, the lawyers, went to law school, and they could see her disclaimer, and they had other information. So this was given to them in June. That is why a search warrant, not just because of her wishy-washy disclaimer, but also because of other information they had, they believed there were still documents. They believed they were being lied to. And so they went in, executed the search warrant in August, right? And that's when they found even more damning classified documents. Okay, so make make attorneys, get attorneys. This weekend, we saw that um, Christina Bob, who does not want to be thrown under the bus, is speaking voluntarily with the Department of Justice. She hasn't even asserted any Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, which I think is bold and maybe in some ways smart of her. Um, because I think she's just going to cooperate. I mean, I would always have an attorney with me, but look, uh, she's cooperating with them, and she pointed the finger, according to three sources, probably her best friends, um, she pointed the finger at Corcoran, saying he was the one who wrote it, she was the one who insisted twice on getting a disclaimer. And so now we have the question of who conducted this search? What did Evan Corcoran know? What did he communicate to Donald Trump? Um, And what will we find out? So that's what I've got on this front. Um, But it's not looking good for Donald. Um, And he, uh, you know, I expect an indictment before the end of the year. Okay, I'm going to pass. Did that work for you, Dahlia?
1: That was fantastic. And I want um, uh, Jennifer Rubin, as my other lawyer, to just weigh in for one quick second, both on this question of, I think it feels like really inside baseball, like the legal team turning on each other. This is actually hugely, hugely consequential for the case itself. So could you just pan back one beat, tell us what this all means, and maybe if you want to weigh in, um, and then we'll go to Dean because I know he's got to run, but if you want to weigh in on this sense, at least that I got from that Atlantic piece, which is deeply reported that this is not a joke, like that the, the the walls are really closing in. And I know we say the walls are closing in could be the other theme of this show. But do you want to take a crack, Jennifer, at walking us through um, the big picture? Sure.
5: Well, she is not the only lawyer to wade into a criminal conspiracy. Donald Trump's lawyers or pseudo lawyers have a nasty habit of engaging themselves in potentially criminal conduct. We saw this with John Eastman and Judge David Carter, you don't take my word from it, for it, but Judge David Carter in a dispute over documents that the January 6th committee was seeking essentially said that Eastman and Trump more likely than not, uh, engage in illegal conduct. Now, that was in regard to January 6th and the phony elector scheme. But it's not unlike other lawyers who switch scenes now to Mar-a-Lago, who go from giving advice to participating in a scheme, arguably, to mislead the government to obstruct an investigation. Now, once you do that, three things happen. First of all, you lose the attorney-client privilege. That's what happened in the Eastman case. Um, It's the so-called crime fraud exception. So you become a viable witness. Second, you can yourself be prosecuted, and hence the issue whether you take the fifth or not. Now, I'm not all that convinced that that disclaimer entirely gets her off the hook, by the way, because why would she think to write the disclosure? disclosure in case she, unless she understood that something was uh, a little bit awry. But be that as it may, she is now cooperating and you have now two attorneys who are perhaps pointing each other at, pointing their fingers at each other and at their client, Donald Trump. And this is a prosecutor's dream come true. We've kind of gotten used to Trump's lawyers turning on him and being indicted. This, like, never, ever, ever happens in the real world. This is so unique to Trump because he gets the, really, the bottom feeders of the legal profession um, who get themselves involved in these crazy-ass schemes um, and then wind themselves up in trouble. Um, and coincidentally, last week, uh, we saw Jeffrey Clark begin the disbarment procedure at the D.C. bar. Um, he, of course, was the... Um, fellow who wanted to take over from Jeffrey Rosen and sent out the phony electoral letters to all the states. But this is what happens when lawyers stop being lawyers and become henchmen in Donald Trump's um, little scheme. So what does this all mean? I think it means, number one, we're going to hear a lot more, the feds are going to hear a lot more about Donald Trump's intent, about his state of mind, about his knowledge of what documents he had, where they were, his knowledge of whether they were classified or um, highly secret. But I will say this. The best witness against Donald Trump is always Donald Trump. When he gets up at a rally and says, they were mine, they were mine. This is sort of, you know, the- Yeah, this is the, you know, of course I ordered the red code alert um, moment where he's just proclaiming his guilt because he's too stupid and too obsessive to understand that this is highly incriminating information. Um, Bottom, bottom line here, I completely agree with Jen. Um, The attorney general cannot not indict. And what I mean by that is if you don't prosecute someone who intentionally takes the most classified documents, then lies about it, tries to get his lawyer to lie about it, to keep it from the federal government, can really hold on to these documents and perhaps shows them to other people. We still don't know that. If you're not going to prosecute that, what are you going to prosecute? And I actually do believe Merrick Garland, I was not shy about criticism early on, but I do believe him when he says the rule of law means something. And I do believe him when he says he's going to fact follow the facts of the law. Who knew the facts and the law were going to be this great? But he has followed them. And I think whether it's November or December or January, um, we are going to see an indictment. And I think this is, if you will, severable enough from January 6 that he can proceed ahead with the Mar-a-Lago indictments. And by the way, that's not going to be in Florida, most likely. That's going to be in D.C., where the grand jury is sitting. Um, And then he'll continue to investigate on January 6th. And Fawney Willis in Fulton County is going to continue to investigate. So this um, may be the first, but I suspect not the last indictment that Donald Trump is going to see. So I know we've gotten our hopes up before, um, but I actually do believe... Merrick Garland, and I believe the career prosecutors who are around him, who are very serious. And the evidence is just too overwhelming. Um, so that's kind of my bottom, bottom line.
1: What do you have for us, Dean?
2: Well, first of all, I spoke to Michael Cohen a couple of days ago, Brian's buddy, which is going to play on my show tomorrow night. And I would say to Christina Bob and Evan and that's your ghost of Christmas future right there. You'll be getting this bar, but you're going to get a book deal and a popular podcast. So it's kind of a trade-off. Like you get the podcast, you get the book deal, you get to be on cable news a lot more. You won't get to be a lawyer, but I used to be a lawyer and being a lawyer sucks. So it's kind of freeing on some level. Jennifer knows, Dahlia knows, none of us want, anyone with a law degree. Jen, we all know being a lawyer sucks. So if you got to go to jail for a short time to get out of it, then you get a book deal, maybe it works out. Second, I am not convinced that Donald Trump's getting indicted. I hate to say that to anyone. I don't care what the Atlantic says in their you know cappuccino drinking erudite world. It's until Donald Trump is indicted and it's revealed to us, I'm not gonna believe it because I've been invested so many times before in this. And I will say what I always say, in no first world nation could Donald Trump have attempted a coup and now walk freely, travel a nation, get celebrated and skew the same lies that incited the terrorist attack in the first place. Nowhere, no place, only America. So do I think Merigold might charge him? Maybe. I, I'm not saying he's not. I have no idea. Will Fannie Willis? Maybe. I don't know. But until he's in charge, it's really hard to get emotionally invested in it. Because what we've seen, like the walls are closing in. Trump should trademark that expression. Same thing. He should trademark the idea. If it was anyone else, he'd be in jail. He should trademark that so he makes some money on it. We use it. So I hope, you know, Jen, Jen Rubin, your your analysis is beautiful, perfect. I love it. I think his lawyers all go to jail, that's not a problem. I think Merrick Garland will put everyone around him. I will tell you, Michael Cohen said, what he thinks is gonna get Trump, it's gonna be through the AG, because if you read that indictment, I mean that uh, civil fraud case, repeated crimes, and she articulates the AG in New York, the crimes Trump committed. So he's hopeful it's really gonna be somebody in New York. So I don't know, everyone's out there going to be indicted. When we see, we will all regroup, we will enjoy it. I will have alcohol free champagne, We'll have a lot of fun together.
0: You know, Dean. Let me jump in before it goes. To, I hand it over to Brian, which is to say, um, yeah. I mean, there's lots of pieces of things, right? The the um, Tish James, and New York Attorney General, made a recommendation to the Department of Justice in that first footnote, I think, um, or second footnote of, and and there are those things to look at too. But we, even given how much is happening and the trademark walls are closing in, we also have Fannie Willis. I mean, I even forgot to mention that there was like an announcement Mm -hmm. that there might be some indictment soon. And we saw that um, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson is cooperating, the best witness on the planet, right? Um, Also, Gene, that is for the records that that you think the practice of law is so bad that you would, that you think people would-
2: Jail is a decent trade-off. It's like lateral move, (laughs) like six months in one of the places- that aren't that rough. Like you go there, you have to play tennis and make losses, wow. and then you get a book
0: deal. I can't get a book deal. I got to go to jail to get a book deal. I said, hey, you know, bosses, let me just I'm going to jail, maybe I'll get a book Michael Cohn doesn't look for a book deal. He self publishes and he's done quite well for himself. But okay, speaking of that, let me hand it over to Brian.
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> lo- lo- <laughs> don't know where to go with that. Lo- lo- love you Dean, but you're wrong. I've covered the department of justice for 40 years. Uh, it takes a lot. Wrong.
2: Of- I have no opinion. I it's just say like, I, I won't get to,
4: It takes a lot longer to prosecute a crime than it does to break the law. Merrick Garland is not one of those who will easily go gentle into that good night. He's meticulous. He's very good at what he does. There is an indictment coming. And by the way, the next time the Atlantic decides to to steal one of my columns, I want full credit for it. Damn it! I, ah. I've been writing this for the last four weeks. This is going down. It is the beginning of the end of Donald Trump. He is going to be indicted. Um, I, 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 in speaking with Michael, he believes that the AG's uh, case will also lead to an indictment. But I, I think that, and you're right, uh, that there's a good chance of that. But what he has on this particular, particularly with the letter saying, look, we've got nothing, <laughs> which is a lie. And then secondly, Donald Trump indicting himself by showing up, as as, as Je- I think Jennifer pointed out, you know, he shows up at a rally and admits that he had the documents and that he's not. But they're mine. Give them back. No, they're not yours. That you don't get to keep them. It's a law. This is this is open and shut. I mean, and that's a closing summation. If I'm the prosecutor at that point in time, I just go roll the tape. <laughs> and and there's Donald Trump going their mouth. He's not even pretending that the FBI planted evidence, right? He's saying it was his. So all of this is BS. It's it as one as a member of the DOJ told me, you know, within the last and has told me every month for God knows how long. It's it's more the only thing more dangerous than indicting Donald Trump is not indicting Donald Trump. Ergo, Donald Trump will be indicted. And I think the evidence points in that, direction. I've never known Merrick Garland to ever back away. He doesn't give a rat's flying ass about the politics of this. It's all about following the rule of law. And if if that's what you're doing, following the rule of law, while it doesn't take a constitutional scholar to figure out that if the law says you've got to return the stuff, you lie and say you don't have the stuff, and then you show up and say, I do have this stuff, And it's mine. This is this is easy. This is not going to be a a very complicated case. The other cases, the other five cases that Donald Trump may be involved in, including January 6th, uh, the AG investigation, the, the stuff down in Georgia, all of that is a little more nuanced and complicated. This is a straight up frickin lie. And it's easily proved, and it's easily prosecuted. And the Department of Justice, by the way, loves slam dunks. So this is—you can't get any more slam dunk than this. It's—it's it's in black and white, and here he is saying that he kept it. End of story. Yes,
0: he's dug. He's dug himself, and it's what you—you you and Jen Rubin said, Brian, with the intent. In other words, when this first came down, you could still he could still kind of make this argument like, well, I didn't really know what was in those boxes. Now he's saying, I know what's there and they're mine.
4: And they're mine. (laughs) Not helpful. All those nuclear secrets are mine. That's it's a crock of shit. I mean, he's going to go down. And look, everybody wants to say, why didn't Merrick Garland do this earlier? Well, look, folks, I've worked with prosecutors for years. It's very easy to break the law. It's a lot harder to go after someone for breaking the law. And by the way, if you've got a shot at Donald Trump, you better not fucking miss. So I'm sure that if you want to get into the P's and Q's and then crossing the T's and dotting the I's and... And uh, Dolly is on a, a, a venture there. <laughs> if you want to do all that, it, it, it takes a while. But I never have doubted that Merrick Garland followed the rule of law, and I do not doubt that it will lead to an indictment. And I, I agree with uh, Michael Cohen Dean in, in this regard. I don't think Donald Trump's running for re-election. Oh, and by the way, you can hear Michael on, on our podcast just ask the question today.
2: One day before mine. How dare you?
0: Before I hand it over to Adam, because he's been sitting so patiently and quietly, since we're plugging things, I need to say Dahlia. People have been angry at Dahlia because her fabulous book, Lady Justice, sold out. And it's not like, you know, she's very busy and she's been typing out further copies and she's finally typed up enough of them. And the store shelves are stocked up, right? I can get the book anywhere books are sold. What is that sound? Is that you, Brian?
4: I don't
0: think so. I hear something crumbling. Okay. Is that you, (laughs) Dahlia?
4: Those
1: are the walls. The walls between Donald Trump (laughs) and the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Just quick. No, just (laughs) quick, quick thank you uh, to Jen Taub. It is true. The book is now uh, available again. And thanks to Dean who hosted me uh, on Friday for a really good and depressing Herschel Walker conversation. Adam, I think I want to ask you something just connected to what Brian just said, which sure. is, it's so, it's so interesting to me that all of us are like in fights with ourselves. Like we agree on the empirical objective facts. We're just trying to decide whether we want to locate ourselves on the like Dean hopeless end of the spectrum or the Brian like it's coming buckle in end of the spectrum. And to me, I think that the two things that are variables and Brian just said this, but I wonder if you'll pull it out a little bit is one Merrick Garland, and whether, you know, he's got like the 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 iron spine to do this. And the other thing is just the blowback. Like, it just is so terrifying to Garland and those of us who are saying, you know, indictments are coming, because in some ways, the train has moved on, right? Like, it almost doesn't matter if indictments are coming, if the reaction from Trumplandia is so, so violent and uh, aggressive. And that's part of, I think what Merrick Garland is worried about is that to do this thing, uh, we'll let Adam go. And then you, Brian, but I think to do this thing is to invite a counter reaction that is terrifying. So I wonder if you could just talk about some piece of this, because it's just, it's funny to hear us debating ourselves.
3: Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. I, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing to sit here and listen, because I think we all agree with what everyone's saying. Um, and we all hope that Dean is wrong. And I think Dean hopes Dean is wrong. But to some extent, I would agree on, you know, um, the emotional piece. Right. I, I, I'll i be the first to say I'm a political hack who uh, was going off when Merrick Garland was in Ukraine. I'm a Ukrainian-American who wanted to see him not in Ukraine, but over here doing whatever he needs to do. But apparently they were doing whatever they needed to do. And he accomplished that as well. Um, you know, on the, on the Mueller piece, we got really emotionally invested and I know there was a lot of things that were hidden in terms of Barr and others, but it's such a huge letdown. So I think the balance is letting some of this play out, doing what we need to do to keep everyone's feet to the fire and hold them accountable. You know, um, at DOJ, they've got the TVs on, they're paying attention. There is the court of public opinion, whether you're on offense or defense. And I think that, you know, everyone's stepping up and continuing to demand justice is key. And at the same time, you know, th- there is the potential for huge disappointment um, simply because I think there's a lot of people worried what's going to happen. Is there going to be a civil war if they if they arrest, uh, you know, Donald Trump and the McDonald's drive through? Um, I have no idea. Yeah. But I, I think that everyone's just got to continue to do what they're doing. Um, I, I do think though, the emotional pieces is, is an interesting one, because um, n- nobody wants to be let down again. We're 28 days from the election. And uh, God help us. I mean, you know, we got to make sure we keep the House and, and hopefully expand the Senate where we have an actual Democratic majority. But, um, you know, that's sort of goal number one. And, and if, as long as we can stay on top and keep pushing and, and making our voices heard, but keeping expectations low, I think uh, people will wake up and feel a lot better each morning the next morning.
1: Brian, do you want to tell me why I'm wrong about Merrick Garland triangulating against the blowback?
3: I don't
4: think Merrick Garland figures that into the situation at all. It doesn't matter for the rule of law. What does matter is look, you're going to, we could sit here and go, is there going to be a civil war? Well, there's not going to be two armed conflicts in the United States, two armies. There's not going to be a civil war. Now, will there be sporadic outbreaks of violence? Yes. But this is the United States where we have, you know, every day it seems like we have, you know, in a multiple sh- incident shooting, you know, there are multiple people killed in a, in a shooting incident. So it's, is the violence going to rise above the din of iniquity that we already suffer through? Probably not. It's probably going to be the same amount of crap and violence that we put up with on a daily basis. And I, for one, don't give a flying rat's ass uh, about the threats from morons saying, well, it's going to be in a civil war. Oh, crap, bullshit. You're going to go get your, your Mopar fixed, and you're going to go drive down to the, the granary and get the bird seed and the, and the cow seed and, and put on your bibs it's the same as you do every other day. It's bullshit. And, and, and I can say that having in-laws who are firmly embedded in the Donald Trump <laughs> corridor, and they're not planning for it. You know, they don't like Biden, but they also don't like, here I am in mid-Missouri, they also don't like uh, Josh Hawley. And watching him run away during the January 6th hearings was probably the biggest coup that, that, uh, that the January 6th hearings pulled off. They exposed him for the turd that he is and the big chicken shit that he is. And most of these people are chicken shit. And at the end of the day, it, it's going it, to boil down to the preservation of law. If the United States is indeed the United States and we are a nation of laws, there will be an indictment. And what happens after that, I have no idea. Because that's, you know, that's the wonders of our justice system. Everybody gets a shot. Everybody gets a chance, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But you have to be prosecuted for it. And he will be prosecuted for it. And I don't see a a, a huge outbreak of violence because of this. I think there will be less. I think the intimidation of it and the fact that we are holding people accountable will keep others from coming forward going, well, I can get away with it. I mean, you've seen a lot of people from January 6th who didn't get away with it. And by the way we're talking about prosecution today, but I think we really should keep an eye on, and I know we're getting together for the January 6th, that last hearing that's going to drop. I think there will be a nice bow tied on all of it, which will point in the direction of where the prosecution of Trump and company will go. I think Rudy Giuliani is another uh, attorney who's got to worry, uh, and Mark Meadows, uh, who's disappeared into you know a black hole in, in ether somewhere. And I, you know, we haven't seen much from Ivanka and Jared. They're probably, you know, and everyone thinks that Jared was the source at a Lago. So we'll wait and see. But the reason why, Dahlia, I don't think that there will be violence is because the simple fact of the matter that in many cases, people have moved on. Um, And, but justice is slow and justice takes time and justice will grind you under its wheels. But, you know, I I was at an event here um, in mid-Missouri two days ago when people were asked, you know, they're, they're past the idea of it's patriots. You know, we're a patriot for January 6th. And I'm actually talking to Republicans who are going, the hell with you being calling yourself a patriot? What are you going to do if you're elected? And that's why many of them are going to vote Democrat, because the Democrats will actually tell them. And to your point, Adam, I've said this for at least six weeks after making my trips around the country, you know, and outside of the Beltway. I think the Democrats have an excellent chance to hold on to the House. And I think they will expand their their hold on the Senate. And I think that that's exactly what uh, Mitch McConnell is afraid of. And he's one of the few Republicans who can actually Great. get votes.
0: Brian, that is awesome. We have some breaking news. I want Adam to hand it to you since you have the Ukrainian connection.
4: Uh
3: Oh, <laughs> There are reports um, from Vice and a few others, Yahoo, that uh, Elon Musk spoke spoke to Putin before putting out uh, his uh, Ukraine tweets on his "quote unquote" plan. Um, I, I, I guess, not surprising, but also completely shocking, um, and also probably an attempt, uh, you know, for Putin to also buy Twitter. There,
5: <laughs> an amateur. I mean, really, does Tucker Carlson have to talk to Putin? Like isn't that like a rookie error actually speaking to putin can't he just like divine what the guy
0: wants i mean
4: jeez well yeah trump can divine that it's no longer you know classified material just by thinking it can't talk about yeah
0: space. i love you jen rubin goes i'm sitting here in a state of shock queasiness and jen goes right to the reality like what a fucking idiot <laughs> mom, <aren't> Yeah, <laughs> jen, this, no.
4: is,
0: this is the proof that billionaires have this
5: crazy notion that because they're successful in one area or know one thing that they know other things um and almost invariably they're really bad at those other things. Um a couple points before we get back to Putin. First of all, I think we have to appreciate how really dangerous Trump um Trump's behavior was. Yes. Essentially, the national security community has to assume that every piece of information he had was compromised because they're never going to get a straight story from Trump. They're never going to be able to 100 percent prove the negative that it wasn't shown to somebody who can in turn show it to foreign governments. So every piece of data then has to be protected. That means people have to be extracted. That means codes have to be changed. That means methods of collection have to be um, revised. It is um, really a national security nightmare when information of this high level is potentially classified. And that's frankly one of the reasons why Merrick Garland is going to have um, no alternative, I think, but to do this. Because how is he going to make that case in other situations that there was a damage to national security if he doesn't do it here, which is the most explicit, the most kind of case whatsoever? Now, second You know, point about, um, you know, the um, sort of the progress of the case. Um, Merrick Garland and the rest of the sane world understand something that the whole Second Amendment mentality, that we have to arm ourselves because the government might try to take away our rights, it might try to, uh, you know, lock us up, is insane. The government has the army. The government has real weapons. These people do not. Now, do they have the capacity to harm their neighbors? Do they have the capacity to injure police officers? Absolutely. That's what we saw on January 6th. But the notion that these people can sustain any kind of military victory or military damage is insane. And I think at some level, um, you know, we have kind of bought into this notion oh my gosh what if there's a you know a reaction you know whatever it's going to be the police will take care of it you know the national guard will take care of it um and you know life will go on um so i think this threat that they all have oh there'll be violence um is another aspect of this kind of crackpot mentality that assigns to themselves much greater power and influence than they really have. And truth be told, if they bring up weapons and if they start you know, um, damaging property and hurting people, the authorities will take care of it. Believe me, they really will. And the, as awful as their storehouses of weapons and as um, really maddening it is that these people have weapons of war, the government has bigger weapons of war and real weapons of war. And
0: we can finally round them up. They
5: got they've oh,
4: got man. drones. They can have a kid sitting in a pup tent in uh, Idaho press a button and and send a bomb to your house. Knock on the door and say candy gram for mongo before it blows you the hell up. So I whatever. Wait, you've can, got, I, is your can I? Can I? are gonna do it.
1: Can I reframe a little, my train has left the station point? Because I I agree, and I'm always the first person who says the word vigilantism. And so I completely take your point that vigilantism has its limits, right, when you're dealing uh, with with the standing army. But I want to make the point that I was making slightly differently, which is I I think that we are underreacting to the fact that in Nevada, the GOP candidate for secretary of state simply got up and said, I am forming a coalition of people who think the 2020 election was stolen. They're all running for Secretary of State. They will reinstall Donald Trump. In other words, I think we make a category error when we think this is just about violent blowback. What I'm worried about is all those terrifying maps of these are the places where election deniers are running. And these election deniers twinned with, and I know we're not going to talk about Moore v. Harper today, but twinned with the ways that you can steal the 2024 election by installing in the midterms a bunch of secretaries of state who are intent on stealing it. And so I think, like, can we broaden slightly...
4: Yes, look, just broaden not, out mean, from- Violence and, is not the fear, it's it's rigging the system so that in the future, the minority can- but, Let, let me just say this,
0: what Dahlia is saying is true, and I think, I'm saying but, but I, I know she'll agree. Indicting Trump only does not make that worse. They are mm-hmm. going to do that. They see weakness no matter yes. what. They will take their opportunity. They'll use anything as an excuse. If Garland doesn't indict, they'll say, See, this was all witch hunts. If he does, they'll say, This is payback. It's not about the logic. You don't need much to continue on the path that they're going.
4: Well, they have and no logic. By the
0: way, on that point, let me say
5: I'm very pleased that Adam Kinzinger came out and said, You know, I'm opposing all of these secretaries of state. But again, the Jennifer Rubin call for months and months and months, where are the rest of them? Where is George W. Bush? Where is Jeb Bush? Where are former senators? Where are former governors? Where are the retiring senators? I am so far past the point of hoping that current Republicans will stand up. But where are the rest of them?
4: Why? I are mean, they- you've got Joe Walsh, and that's pretty much. Joe Walsh has come out exactly. And said, is-
5: I mean, you have Liz Cheney. She can't be everywhere and do everything. By the way, um, I did make a suggestion today. She is going to be appearing in Cleveland um, on um, the very the beginning of November. I would suggest she consider Tim Ryan as the quintessential Democrat that she could support, who is pro-Ukraine, who is not an election denier, who is up against J.D. Vance. I don't give a crap about Ukraine. So I just put that out there. Um, But the lack of Republicans who have nothing to lose, nothing to lose or gain, frankly, who remain reticent still shocks the conscience what are they so afraid of what they can't go to the country Club and yuck it up with um, members of the the crazy pants coalition it's just it blows my mind I think but, that's
4: a registered trademark Jennifer if you're gonna use crazy pants coalition I think you have <laughs> I think it's been registered in the state of Nevada but you're I, I think those that have come
3: out like that like Adam should also Not to say that he's not doing stuff, but it'd be great to see him get involved in Wisconsin and oppose Ron Johnson. I mean, that could make the difference in a race like that where Ron Johnson's actually been down in recent polls.
5: Exactly, you know, my I find myself saying, "Well, like, how many places can Liz Cheney go to? You know, she shouldn't have to go to every state in the union. She should have a little bit of help." Um, but yes, and listen, I give her credit. She went into Arizona and she said, "Do not vote for the Republican governor or the Republican Secretary of State candidate." Um, and unfortunately, she's a lonely voice because you know the rest of them are uh, thoroughly intellectually, morally you know, corrupt. Um, But, you know, I do want to say one thing about um, Elon Musk. You know, I don't remember really any time where there were member, maybe it was, you know, during the Cold War, but I don't think the left even was this ever this crackers, where there is such a willingness on behalf of one political party to align itself publicly with America's enemies. I mean, Vladimir Putin is an enemy of the United States. He is engaged in war crimes, and we have one political party that continues to cheer him, and their surrogates and their flunkies, like Elon Musk, continue to carry water for them. When have we ever had that in American history? I mean, you know, uh, you be war careful. III. You have to be, you know, careful with you know language, but. These people are traitors. They really are. Um, I say you have to be careful with language, and then I abandon that and use language. That's probably uh, you know not legally precise. But these people are betraying America. Um, and you know, I I continually find it remarkable that the party of my refuge, which happens to be the Democratic Party now, is so incapable of pointing this out. Is so incapable of making the argument. Those guys are traitors. You know, if the roles were reversed, and even if they're not reversed, even if there's no basis for that, the Republicans have no trouble saying it. So I would like, starting with the President of the United States, frankly, um, to be, he has an interview with Jake Tapper, so tonight, Tuesday, he could go out and say it, um, that if you put Republicans in positions of power, Ukraine is in danger, Europe is in danger Our national security is in danger because these people are not only a threat to democracy, they're a threat to our national security. They've proved this over and over again.
4: Well, the the biggest threat here when we talk about Ukraine is, um, and I know it doesn't trip many people's triggers. We're far more concerned about what's going on nationally with Trump and the midterm elections. But the simple fact of the matter is Ukraine has a great deal uh, of, of matter and import to the United States. What's going on there is an existential threat to life on the planet. And you've got uh, Vladimir Putin threatening to, to use nuclear weapons. Now, according to uh, my sources at, at the NSC and the DOD, there's been no indication that he's moved those forces, those tactical forces forward to, for use, but he has decided to bomb civilians. And, the, and Ukraine is important for grain, the the, it, the economy of the world is taking is being trashed because of this war. People in the United States that support Trump say, well, when Trump was in power, this didn't happen. Well, of course not, because Trump was part of the human centipede and had his lips firmly implanted on Vladimir Putin's ass. You now have someone standing up to him and holding him accountable. So Ukraine is important for, for what's going on in the United States. And by the way, you know, I, I lived... When I was young, I remember duck and cover drills, you know, I remember, you know, know, Myrtle the turtle, you can, you know, there's the flash of a nuclear bomb, duck and cover and you'll be okay. Uh, We went from that to mutually assured destruction. And today you have an unhinged, autocratic, despotic leader who wants to be, you know, thinks he's a Russian czar who wants to get the band back together, meaning the Soviet Union and doesn't really much give a shit about anybody else on the planet. He is behind hacking that is responsible for problems in, what, recently in airports, but in our voting and in our, in our uh, business. This man is a bad actor. And for those people in the United States, and I've been to these Trump rallies where they go, I'd rather have Putin than the, a Democrat, you have to look at them and go, how ignorant are you? At some point in time, do you not wake up to the threats, the existential threats that exist against you and the United States in your very way of life? So that's why I maintain that what's going on in Ukraine. And so with Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson, all part of the same crowd of morons, the, the pantsless uh, you know, circus freaks that run around you know, waving their, their packages in the air and thinking that they're brilliant for doing it. I'm sorry, but it's if, if we don't wake up to that existential threat, it's going to be – I, look, I want a safe planet for my, my kids and my grandkids. If I've got to go through shit, fine, but I would like for them to live in a world that's free of the threat of nuclear war, starvation, and climate change. If you can't get on board with that, then I don't know exactly where you are in the U.S. in, in 2022.
1: Can I can I just name something that I think both Brian and uh, Jen Rubin just made really precise? And I think it, it, it's helping me in my thinking, which is the maximalist crazy continues to engender the minimalist response. And whether it's Mike Pence or George W. Bush or, you know, overwhelmingly, what you'll get is the most minimal brushback. That's the most you're going to get. And I think you're right, because that minimalist response kind of really carries over even to Democrats, right? I mean, in many ways, Attorney General Garland has been performing a minimalist response, you know, since he took office. And I think there's this theory that the minimalist response gives you cover, Right. It makes you look like you're steady, like you're not hysterical, like this isn't some tit for tat crazy festival. But I think you're exactly right, both of you descriptively, that if you're watching this, thinking that there is like parity on both sides, having one side say, I don't care about Ukraine or like genocide is fine or, you know, nothing really matters or the election.
4: Do we lose her? I think
0: you froze a little for a second, Dahlia. So Should we wait? She's still. Well, while Dahlia is unfreezing, I'm gonna make her, uh, I'm gonna, are you still frozen? Yes, okay. Sorry about that. I said what I said. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess sort of along these same lines, I wanna kind of, um, Draw, draw some of these threads together and say um, right now the Republican Party in the United States is the enemy of freedom. And I mean freedom in the United States and freedom abroad. They're part of, it seems like, this project to say democracy doesn't work and so we're not going to allow people to make their choices for themselves. And what that looks like In the United States, and we just lost Dahlia, but she'll be back. Um, What that looks like in the United States is Dobbs, which is over—you know, over taking away for the first time in American history a constitutional right that we've we've enjoyed, and specifically bodily autonomy, women's economic freedom, everything making that, taking that away is the project and lying about it. Oh, we just want to leave it to the states. Oh, in the states, we're going to take it away as well and, and make it criminal. And when we see this abroad, we see it also with siding, the Republicans siding with Putin against what the Ukrainians want, which is which is freedom. And Putin, who has been an, an enemy to the press, Putin, who has obviously, we know where he stands in terms of um, authoritarianism. But when I see Women have been the canaries in the coal mine, and we have been speaking out and fighting back. What, the Women's March was the largest march, not just in, in U.S. history, it has spanned the globe. We now see the young women and men supporters, um, all people who are resisting the authoritarian regime in around. I, am, I have never been so impressed with people than those young women who are choosing not to wear a hijab. Now, let me say, you should wear one if you want one. I'm just speaking about the choice. And they are pulling them off, walking through the streets, knowing and watching their friends be murdered for that choice. And I compare that to the weak-willed ass-kissers like J.D. Vance, who it's so important for them, for their egos, to get a Senate seat. Or people like Ted Cruz, all these Republican men, whether in power or not, who will do anything to kiss up to this monster of a person, Donald Trump, just for a little modicum of what they perceive as power and status. I mean, the contrast between the guts I've seen with women in our society. And I don't want to insult the men on this panel because you are amazing men. I'm not speaking about all men. I'm talking about a particular type who, and I just, I'm gonna hand it over to Jen Rubin, but I think we cannot allow this to get lost. And one last piece is you hear I heard this great thing from Gabe Hudson, writer for Vanity Fair, who now has a new podcast, I think, called The Twitterverse. But he continually stands up for women and says, why is it that so many male commentators are saying the anger about abortion rights is over and no one cares about it anymore? I'm like, that makes me want to throttle them. You know, anyhow, I'm just going to I'm starting to get angry all over again. Because well, I support so the women
4: in Iran. Think about how if, if the GOP had one guy that was as brave as the teenage women in Iran, it would be a far different world than we live in today.
5: Let me, let me make two oh, points. Yes, thank you, Brian. Let me make two points. One, this is um, my number one pet peeve, as my readers certainly know from reading and hearing my rants, which is, The mainstream media allows this to go on by continually normalizing Republicans who are not normal. They are a fascist party. They are seeking to undermine democracy. They are seeking to undermine the rule of law. They are openly, unabashedly racist and misogynistic. And the press, for the sense of a cordial Sunday morning Talk show treats these people as normal.
4: No, they, they refuse
5: to, in and refu- let me finish, Brian. Hush, hush, hush. Um, it refuses to confront and interrogate these people. The lawyers in here could take a better deposition, um, and could you know push these people into a corner far more effectively than anyone in the media. But 30,000 feet, this is what fascism is. Every aspect of this is. Equivalent to is reminiscent of fascist movements of the past. Number one is the propaganda site. Number two is the dehumanization and the othering of people. Number three is the web of lies that they use. Four is the institutionalization of violence. We're not Germany 1939, but we are Germany 1933. We are at that point where the Weimar Republic is teetering, and we're all, or well not all of us people on this call aren't, and people in this show aren't, but people are whistling through the graveyard of democracy. And they do not realize that in every aspect, this is what fascist movements do in all respects whether it's language, whether it's bastardization of professions, the corruption of professions in order to make them um, allies of the state, whether it's um, international alliances, this is the playbook. And if you think this is anything new, look at Viktor Orban, look at Europe 1930s, look at Brazil. This is of a piece. And I think until the media and the public uh, opinion makers start articulating what this is, um, we will continue to go bind down this well, you know, the Democrats say this, the Republicans say this, um, and to treat Republican um, really moral and political insanity and uh, crimes as if they are tactics, as if they are clever tactics, and how clever they are and how it's working um, and This is what is leading us down the path of disaster. Um, And by the way, I cannot wait to read the upcoming memoir of my former colleague. I'm a little bitter about that, by the way. Um, Margaret Sullivan from the Washington Post, who has left us, who is now coming out with a book that tells her memoirs. But she has been one of the bravest, clearest voices about the absolute collapse, the failure of the mainstream media. Um, And she, along with people like Trey Rosen and a few others, have been really fearless in this. And I say it again and again and again, because it is um, the point at which we lose our democracy as we're sleepwalking towards um, a really, really bad place.
4: Well, if you want to sleepwalk past the problems in the media, the problems in the media are because of money. That's why we have, there are when I got into this business, by the way, this is in a book called Free the Press. <laughs> if you want to get down to it, the problem is that you have six companies owning about 90% of what you see, read, or hear. It has been bad, and said for the Washington Post, if you want... Diversity, you have to have diversity of ownership until you bust up the media monopolies, reinstitute the Fairness Doctrine. And by the way, Jamie Raskin has introduced a national shield law. Until you do some of those things, you're still going to have problems in the press. And by the way, the biggest problem in the press is that you have people that have no concept of what it is they're supposed to be doing, doing the business of the press. And that's because the people who run the press want cheap labor. So you, are cut, you have people in the White House who literally have no experience before they become White House reporters, then only have the experience of sitting in the White House and acting as stenographers before they become anchors. And then they wear their bow ties and go on CNN and get kicked off and then go to Fox and, and you know, mount their offensive from there. This is the press is part and parcel. Part of the problem has been for 40 years. It started with Ronald Reagan when he disassembled. And by the way, when did it become okay for one company to own three or four hundred newspapers? It never it, did. Well, that okay. It never did. And,
0: yes. Brian, I've seen this movie. Go to your window. Open it wide. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. mad Okay. But- <laughs> We have to now, because Mary may be watching us. I'm not sure, but she, she will. probably doesn't
5: approve of this whole program. She says so oh,
0: amateur you- back.
1: She thinks it's it's car talk. She thinks it's like it's like NPR, like way too low energy. So let's well, bring Mary, it, bring it for this last
0: beat. I want to give us an opportunity to share with you what we like to do, which is the bumper sticker, right? The what is the thing that gives you hope? I'm going to start with Adam. Um, I know it. Maybe UVA gives you hope by uh, your your hat. Um, maybe your up- upcoming wedding. I, I don't know. But uh, tell us what gives you hope uh, as the rest of the world is whistling past the graveyard of democracy. Uh,
3: my son Cameron broke his knee uh, three weeks ago and had two surgeries, uh, which lasted four hours. And yesterday was his first day out of the house and nine month recovery, but. He's back on his feet. So,
0: Oh, my God. So your bumper sticker is back on your feet.
3: It's back on your feet or Elon Musk for prison or Russia, whichever. I don't care.
0: I like them both. Let's let Mary decide. Um, Brian, what's your bumper sticker?
4: Uh, Let's see. Rock and roll is good for the soul. (laughs) Okay. I want to play music <laughs> I, or, or gardening is good for the soul. I'll, I'll garden my tomatoes, but <laughs> something to stay sane.
0: Garden your tomatoes before the frost. Yeah. Winter
4: is coming. Yeah, general-
0: I guess mine would be,
5: because I wrote a book about it, um, women. And I will add a corollary to that. People under the age of 30 will save us if we can, possibly not screwed up so badly that it's irretrievably lost by the time we
0: can hand it off to them. Yes. So maybe your bumper sticker, vote if you're under 30. It's like the opposite, don't trust anyone over 30, right? Right, right, exactly. Trust only, yes. And uh, if uh,
5: the House does stay in Democratic hands and the Senate majority does um, expand, thank a woman, because
0: that's what's going to be the difference And, and, and maybe Jen thank a woman yeah thank a woman yeah exactly.
1: maybe maybe another way to think about it is um, and, and it lies somewhere in like the interstices between Jen's book and mine. but like I actually think the difference between what's happening in Iran and happening in this country is the force of law. And like we get really romantic about like they're out on the pavement, they're getting beaten senseless like they're, we actually have law, we have women governors in this country, women judges, women justices, folks, if you haven't heard Ketanji Brown Jackson last week, talking about the Voting Rights Act. So I just want to like re up what Jen said, both just now and earlier, which is, I think we have this like really sad episodic, like women's voices, you know, like for five seconds after dubs. women going to change like we're not actually objects we're actually like (laughs) extremely powerful and we vote and we're pissed off and we have the levers of the legal system so like i want to just really say i think that people who who like bernie sanders saying like let's not make this election about abortion uh no let's make it about abortion and everything else but i also just think like stop treating women as though uh they are like here to service democracy they're actually our democracy (laughs) and so like i just want to really really lift up that women uh with the machinery of law at their hands are freaking holding up the sky right now and like i think we should not just thank them but just realize they're all around us of all
3: all ages I, i i keep telling everyone now i think that that poor little 10 year old girl from ohio I want to live in a country where she has the same rights that Herschel Walker has. I mean, it's as simple as that.
0: You know, I wow. wanna, and, and my my final thing, I don't really, can't know if I can put on a bumper sticker, um, women are all around us or whatever, but what Dahlia said, you know, it reminds me of the old days of law school. Well before I was in law school, they had this thing called Ladies' Day, where the professors <laughs> would call on the women. Well, you know what? Fuck Ladies' Day. Yeah, that's what. The, that's how people are treating this like okay well you had the day you were a little bit angry after Dobbs. no i still have a uterus like that hasn't changed (laughs) that hasn't changed you know we're every day there's not you know we're we're you know half of the sky and i i like that and uh and you know we also dahlia unlike mussolini dahlia and i actually do keep the trains running on time and so friends thank you for allowing us to host you mary will be back on thursday 12:45 See you all then thanks thanks friends thanks nerds Thanks okay. Oh my God I think we're we're, here. We did not suck at that We are we are not fired. This is really fun on this other side, Dahlia. I feel like we can take
1: advantage. I know, I know, I've never been on the other side of the piss off music before, I quite like it. Um, Should we tell the good people what is to come? Yes. Okay, we're gonna tell the good people what's to come. And the big, big thing is go see Mary Trump, live in LA, Friday the 21st of October. Go to DynastyTypewriter.com to get your tickets. The beautiful and magnificent Gem Taub will be there, Waj will be there, and there will be some surprise uh, local guests there. The link to get your tickets is in the show notes. Please show up and support our
0: Avengers in person in LA. And I just want to say, I warned everybody that Dolly's book would sell out and they should order early. Similarly, with our tickets, but unlike Dahlia's book where she could actually print more once the tickets are sold there are no more tickets you guys so please I want to see all of you I can't wait to meet you and we will like you know you know sign your hands or whatever your books or whatever you have um also um this Thursday this Thursday the January 6th committee is having its last hearing this year and maybe forever if we lose the house so this is going to be a big one. We're going to be convening 15 minutes before it starts, right here, 12.45 p.m. Eastern Time, 9.45 Pacific Time. It will be incredible. Um, also, go to youtube.com slash politicom to subscribe. Um, and what else do we have to? Oh, also the Mary Trump show. This show that, that we're talking on right now is also in podcast form. So go to Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and like, um, and join, or follow, or whatever we say. Right, Dahlia?
1: Yes, and every single Tuesday, hashtag Nerd Avengers, 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, uh, all this can be yours. And do not forget uh, to click the bell for notifications on all of Mary's new shows. And uh, man, this was like fun and depressing in about equal measure, but I'll take it. And to those of you who, uh, joined us today, uh, and join us please in telling Mary, we love her and miss her and we are sad substitutes, but thank you so much for being with us.
0: So good to see you, Dahlia. Hope to see you in in the real world at some time, at some
1: point. You too. Everybody take good care of yourselves. Make sure that you, uh, what did we say? Fuck ladies day. Yeah. Okay. (laughs)